It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hey, good morning, folks. Thanks for tuning in. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and one of the advisors on the show, alongside two of my favorite people on the planet, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. That is heartwarming, Mike. You're, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Well- we are glad you're here with us as well, because this is a very special edition of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We are officially at the one-year mark. We're starting year number two today, and uh, we're excited that you're joining us. We're excited uh, to have the first year behind us. We're actually going to be talking through some of the highlights of the first year, uh, share some changes that are coming into the second year and, of course, uh, always hitting your questions. That's one of our favorite parts of the show. That's right. We've got a great question from Joel that we'll be hitting later on in the program, as well as a question about gold, a question from Ray, so a lot of good stuff. Joel and Ray both went to wisemoneyradio.com to submit their question. It's a revamped website. Looks good. Uh, if you're driving and want to leave a question uh, by giving us a call, you can do so, 574-222-2000. That's how you can get a hold of us. All right, as Josh mentioned, yeah, it's an exciting milestone. I can't believe it. I thought they were going to kick us off the air right away. But uh, they've just given us a long leash here. So uh, anyway, it's our one-year anniversary. We're really blessed by how the show's gone this first year. Learned some things, but have some highlights to, uh, to, to talk through as well. But uh, we laid out our very first program talking about why we launched the Wise Money Show. And I, I think we should start there with a recap of why does the Wise Money Show exist? Well, that that's a great question, Mike. And and when we answered this question a year ago, it was much different. After the first show, we were wondering, do we have a future and will this, <laughs> this thing even work? So it is... Do we disclose that we re-recorded our first show? No. Nope. No, don't. But that's only happened twice, actually. Casey's going to cut that out. But so when I moved to town back in 1993 on Saturday mornings, there was a show, I think it was called Money Talk with a guy named Craig Blue, who uh, is at least an acquaintance of mine. And I loved listening to that show. And on Saturday mornings when I would go into work, I would listen to that show. And I thought, what a great service to our community. This guy is taking calls, he's answering questions, and he's really getting the conversation started and going about people's finances. Because a lot of times uh, people don't know where where's the venue, where's it safe or easy to just talk about finances and, and what motivates or what stirs me up to get that conversation started. And that show hadn't been on the air for a long time. There are a number of great money shows. Uh, of course, Dave Ramsey, is one of our favorites, but a lot of people talking about personal finance, and we think it's a big deal. And so we said, well, why don't we start? Let's do it. Let's let's get one started. Let's start the conversation. Let's try and motivate people to take action. I, When I got out of college, I thought, okay, we're going to change the world, and I still believe that we can change the world. Now, um, we've, as far as I can tell, we've only been given a small corner of the world to change, 
So we're 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 working as hard as we can on that little little corner, that little chunk of the world to get it changed. But we believe there's no reason why Michiana couldn't be the most financially literate community in the world. What if Michiana was known for their financial literacy and the um, the financial health of the people in our community? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the big idea. So we said, hey, let's do a radio show. Let's let's reach people that may never come in the door of Corhorn Financial Group, but let's let's reach those people and talk to them about finances, give them some ideas, give them some ideas that they should go talk to their financial planner about, or give them some reasons why they might want to go talk to a certified financial planner. Yeah, that's that's good. And, and when when the station got wind that we wanted to do a show, and then they came to us and said, hey, we, we, we think we want a show. Um, we laid some goals out at the beginning and, and really some guardrails, actually. This is not going to be an infomercial for Corhorn Financial Group. And Casey was very clear. He had some experience in the past where a financial advisor took calls and just said, great question. I'll talk to you on Monday, you know, and never really tried to help people. So we put some guardrails in there. But let's talk about some of those other goals, what we really wanted the show to be about. Well, I would hope that our listeners would all agree that this has been a show so far about them. It's not about Corhorn Financial Group. It's about you and the things that you're facing, real-life financial issues that everyone, uh, you know, bumps up into and maybe doesn't know how to approach it. And our our goal has been to put financial planning in the spotlight in this community. And that really was not intended to be some sort of self-serving infomercial, as you said, the point is to help nudge people in the direction of being more serious about their financial life and really refining the process that they take when they're making financial decisions. And our bias has always been in our day job and on the weekends too, uh, to promote financial planning. We believe wholeheartedly that the way you make the best financial decisions in your life is in the context of an overall financial plan. And I'm excited that people are starting to to get that. You know, they're starting to recognize that there are six areas of financial planning. I even quizzed my wife recently uh-huh. after almost a year of listening to the show. She's listened to every single episode very faithfully. She's learned a ton, but I quizzed her, do you know what the six areas of financial planning were? And uh, she came up with seven of them. So it was awesome. <laughs> so extra credit. That's right. Great job. Great job. Well, that's good. And, you know, I'd, I'd also throw in there just some some things that Kevin said. You know, we, we were hoping, we wanted to start a conversation about finance. We wanted to raise the financial IQ of our community. Everyone in the community gets better if we're all better at, at better stewards at managing our own finances. And then also, we just also recognize that there's some people who are intimidated by talking to financial advisors until they'll probably never darken a financial advisor's doorway. And so we want to talk about some of the ideas, strategies, and point them to the benefits of a comprehensive financial plan. So you know what else? We spent that first episode sharing a little bit about us. I, I We had some new neighbors move in across the street, and somehow he got wind. I think my wife told him that we've got a radio show, and we're, we're just getting to know these folks. And they said, "Oh, hey, listen to your to your show on Saturday." And I couldn't really know, couldn't really tell which one you were. And <laughs> so that's uh, that's interesting because there's three of us. But let's take a moment and just reintroduce who we are, give some background and all that. So, Kevin, why don't you kick it off? Okay. And so this is Kevin. That's Kevin. This is uh, this is my voice. And this story actually is better told on our website, which is Corhorn.com, because we introduce ourselves a little bit, and you can actually see our uh, faces, although um, 
Anyway, so I was born and raised in Big Rapids, Michigan, and uh, when I turned 18, graduated from high school, I went in the Army uh, for three years, got out of the Army, and went to Central Michigan University for four years, got a degree in finance, and then I moved to South Bend, Indiana to work at Camp Raybird, which is a small Christian camp on the west side of South Bend for economically disadvantaged kids, and I'm sure they have a better way of saying it today, but that's how they used to say it 20-some years ago. And so I spent the summer of 1993 working at Camp Raybird, and I love the ministry and what was happening there. But I just realized that was not what I was supposed to do, and so I prayed and said, God, what am I supposed to do? He said, use your degree, and so my degree is in finance. So I started Corhorn Financial Group in July of 1994. And I had this big idea that we could serve people in a comprehensive way, in essence, you know, uh, be the Mayo Clinic of the financial services world, where the very best financial planners worked in, in-house with the very best CPAs and accountants and insurance professionals to provide a client experience that no one in town was providing. And I was looking and saying, well, wait a minute, it, this, the, it's got to be able to be better. It's got to be better. It's got to be better. And so I strived, I was striving and striving, and um, uh, by the grace of God today, we have that shop where people can come in, get their financial planning and wealth management done, but also have their taxes prepared. We're totally outfitted to take care of small businesses and other things. So, Mike, uh, enough about me. How about you? What do you think about me? <laughs> well, I'm not going to put that on the air, Kevin. Goodness. Uh, I'll tell Josh later behind your back. <laughs> well, similar story to you. I grew up uh, in Grand Rapids, or really not here. God brought me to South Bend after getting a finance degree from Michigan State. And uh, and so I've been here and blessed to serve. Kevin's the founder of the company. Josh and I are both part owners as well. And uh, so, yeah, live in Michigan with my beautiful wife, Cindy, our two kids, Kuiper and Carrington. And they start hockey tonight. I'm excited. I played a little college hockey, not at state, but uh, somewhere else. And big hockey fan, big sports fan. And my kids, six and four, are strapping the skates on and getting going. So that'll be fun. So listen, we want to hear about Josh is... Uh, background as well as some of the highlights and some changes coming up with season two so that's going to be coming up here and more on wise money with Corhorn financial group on 95.3 mnc this is wise money with Corhorn financial group on news talk 95.3 michiana's news channel your breaking news and weather station. Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. My name's Mike. Got Josh and Kevin in the studio with me. Thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us and sponsoring the Wise Money Show. Today's our one-year anniversary. Again, can't believe they left us on the air this long, but we're recapping the first year talking about highlights. If you have a question, comment, or anything else, Go to wisemoneyradio.com, that's a revamp website, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Okay, so we're talking, we're just about to talk about highlights and some enhancements that's coming with season two, but we're just recapping some of the intros. You heard about who Kevin is, I snuck mine in there too. So Josh, what's your background, buddy? Well, so I've spent this past week on vacation with the family, so they're they're the ones on my mind. Um, so I would... I would tell our listeners a little bit um, about my wife. Uh, married my 
uh, high school sweetheart after we both graduated from Bethel. And uh, we took, you know, quite a few years before we started having kids. And that was intentionally. We actually had our top 50 things to do before kids. You remember that list? I do. And um, I can't really remember anything that was on it, ironically, because <laughs> the whole point was that we'd remember the years before. But uh, I actually texted my wife and said, uh, what did we do? What were the top 50 things? And she couldn't remember very many of them either. But, <laughs> well, you uh, did them. I remember you telling me about them. I know. Oh, I yeah. think we got 35 of them done. They were There were some financial goals on there, but uh, there was one strange one. I had never really seen much of the ocean growing up, and so we said, let's build a sandcastle on the East Coast and West Coast. That was one of them, and buy a house and things like that. But we've had a, uh, a charmed existence, and uh, it hasn't been without ups and downs, but... Uh, it, it's fun raising our three kids now out of Granger and into Michigan where we're kind of living the, the country lifestyle, which is quite an adjustment yeah, for sure. So, well, in the room here between myself and Josh and Kevin, there's over 50 years of financial advising experience, and we're representatives of a big team of professionals, close to 40 folks back at Cohorn Financial Group. We'll have more of them on the show. In fact, We've had a lot of great guests on the first year. That's some of my highlights as well. But all right, we're going to talk about highlights here in just a minute. But I want to want to communicate some enhancements we're making to the show and some new features, really all designed to help drive that main that main goal of of raising the financial IQ and increasing the financial discussion around Michiana. And so here's what we're doing. Number one, right now we have launched Wise Money Blog. And if that sounds boring, it won't be, folks. We're going to be posting <laughs> articles, uh, relevant articles that will help you uh, understand financial topics a little bit more or even just uh, talk through some financial controversy. So that's going to be coming out every single week. You're going to want to check that out on the website as well as Facebook and Twitter. Um, also, at the advice of Casey Hendrickson, our amazing producer, uh, for his show, as he's trolling around the internet, finds interesting things that he talks about on the air, he then posts those and says, listen, if you want a deeper dive or if you want to go look at what I'm talking about, go to the website. And we're going to be doing that too. So that show prep is going to be on on Fridays that if we reference something, let's say, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, we talked about an IRS announcement about a scam. Well, we're going to have that on the website. If we're talking about it, it's going to be on the website so you can go check that stuff out. And then finally, we're also launching Question of the Week, just to get you guys thinking, get you talking more about finances, and that's going to be coming out uh, each week as well, also on Facebook and Twitter and all of that. And we want you to join in. And, um, you know, some of the questions I'm thinking of are, you know, do you budget for Christmas shopping and those sorts of things. We're going to be talking about those on the show as well. So all three new features designed to enhance the conversation and keep the conversation going about finances throughout the week. Well, that's right. It's not just about adding new content or another venue or, or media for the, the content. It's hopefully to enhance the dialogue that you, our listeners, are having with us as a show. And so we would encourage you to check us out on Facebook or on Twitter, be able to follow along what's happening behind the scenes. But maybe most importantly, treat this as another tool for giving us feedback. We want to hear more about the topics that are pressing and, and most interesting to you that can help flavor the show and give us direction on uh, new topics that we'll be covering. Um, so we invite you to do that. Yeah. And so we're going to be pushing, we're going to be communicating the Facebook and Twitter handles. So Facebook at Wise Money Radio, Twitter is Wise Money Show, 
and go there, check us out, and we're going to be posting stuff regularly on there. So, all right. So let's transition gears and talk about then highlights uh, from the first year, and then we'll we'll launch into listener questions. So, Kevin, what's your biggest takeaway or highlight from the first season of Wise Money? Well, that's a toughie, Mike. I have there are so many, and it's almost like asking me which of my children is my favorite child, and. Uh, I guess it would depend on the day. <laughs> we'll answer that one uh, <laughs> off the air as well. So, so there are a, a, a number of highlights, but I, just this week, just on Monday, um, we had a, a, a fan of the show call in, and they we met to discuss the situation. And the, the they came in, and their presenting problem was, "Hey, help me with my retirement plan. I've got some questions, and I need some clarity. I need some some confidence." But in the course of our conversation, it came out that he wasn't really a believer in the 529 plan. And we mentioned the 529 plan all the time as a great tool to use to fund your children's education. So he mentioned to us that when he used his 529 plan money for educational purposes, he ended up paying taxes on the gain in that account. And what he didn't realize is that when you pay taxes on the gain in your 529, you're also paying a penalty. That's right. And uh, so we saw that as well. And if this listener had never come to meet with us, he would have left about $4,000 of tax mistakes buried in his return. And because, he because if you're pulling money out of a 529 for qualified education expenses, you shouldn't be paying a tax on that growth, and nor should it be penalized. So he, it was just kind of a, just an off-the-cuff comment that he made, and we thought, whoa, red flag here. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have had to pay any tax on that or penalty. What a great reason or example, though, of why... Uh, we're not trying to turn this show into preparation for you or training for you to be a do-it-yourselfer necessarily, right? We still believe in getting a professional's eye on things like your taxes because you, you never know if you're making a mistake on your taxes. It would be way easier to get a tax return wrong than it would be to get it right on your own. So getting an outside perspective, I think, is really, really important. Right, and because you could be led to believe that if you're using certain tax software, there's really no way you could make a mistake. And we, we've seen it uh, over and over again. So anyway, so the, the great thing, it, we're changing the world one financial life at a time. That's our vision. But especially with this couple, with this household, they're going to have resources now that, that they can use that they wouldn't have had if they had never come to meet with us. And that's why we say, hey, Go meet with a financial advisor, bring them their issues, and see how they can help. So to me, the, the highlight of the last year happened this past Monday, and I am, it's, it's what gets us out of bed every morning. That's pretty cool. You know, I, I don't have a specific story to share as far as the highlight for me, but when I think back on this, this first year, um, one of my favorite stretches of time with the show was when we did a series of shows on the seven life transitions, right? And uh, it was actually eight shows long because we did an intro there. But the, the point was that we hit all those major milestones or, or transitions that people go from one stage of life to the other and uh, talk through how does your financial planning change? What are the mistakes that you could be making? And, you know, People like uh, the, the story that you shared, everyone eventually comes to some point in life where the planning shifts gears, it changes direction, and they feel like, hey, you know, I, I need to get some help here. And uh, that show has been more helpful to me as an advisor to be able to point people back to 
uh, or that series of shows because there was something for everybody. And it was just, it was fun to prepare. It was fun to get involved with uh, listener questions during that phase. And I hope we do something similar to that here in the second second uh, year as well. Yeah, we actually, uh, it's interesting you say that because the individual that Kevin's referring to actually came in because, all right, I'm just about an empty nester. Retirement's right on the horizon. And we're in this life transition. We need to, we, we need to get a plan together. And second, I'd also mention, gosh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from the community about things about the show and that it does seem like this, the show's gaining traction and people are talking more about their finances. And the one that I get the most feedback on is the life transitions. I ran mm-hmm. into someone at church the other day and he said, hey, yeah, I've, I've been listening to the show and you know, I really liked it when you guys did that, that life transition. So coming up in just a few weeks, we're going to have another series about some of the stages in retirement that I'm, I'm looking forward to. So. Uh, A couple more highlights about season one, and then we're going to be launching into Joel's question here about buying a house and selling a house and what those costs should be. So good stuff here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group, 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio. Once again, special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And today's show has all been about the highlights from the first year of Wise Money. It's our anniversary today. And we're launching into season two with some enhancements, doing a lot more activity and pushing things out to keep the conversation going on Facebook at Wise Money Radio and on Twitter as well, uh, as well as our blog. So always go to wisemoneyradio.com and you can see all of that stuff. We're going to be hitting a question from Joel here in just a moment. He went to Wise Money Radio, submitted his question that way. But just finishing up with some highlights about season one. And Kevin mentioned a story that just happened recently. And Josh Josh talked about a series. I, I've, my highlight for the first year would be a story as well. And this one actually occurred right after the show launched. Um, late in 2015, I ran into someone that's been a fan of the show. And we chatted for things about things a little bit. And he said he and his wife have been thinking more about finances and they tune in, you know, every week. And so he said, yeah, I'll probably give you a call and I'd like to sit down and talk about things. Well, uh, sure enough, a couple months later, he called in, we sat down and he said, yeah, I've been listening to the show every week. And you know what? I really don't like the answers that I'd give to the questions you guys would ask on the show. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, here's an example. You guys were talking about the Roth IRA. And so I thought to myself, should I have a Roth IRA? And I didn't quite know the answer. And it just made me uncomfortable enough that, Mike, I wanted to sit down and and talk about my own situation. Hmm. And you know what was great? He came in with a list of about 12 questions that he wanted to answer. Hey, about my own situation, what should I do about life insurance for my kids? Or how much should I be saving for retirement? Those sorts of things. And better still, he came in with a whole list, about eight of them, financial goals. And it was That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. I, it was it was just beautiful because that, well, I want to know what your questions are and where you're at as well as what you're trying to achieve. And he really just came in with all of that stuff on a platter, completely coachable. And you know, we've been blessed to serve him for a few months now and we've answered all of those questions and we've made a ton of progress on those goals. They know exactly what priority they're in. We've achieved some already. 
it's been really, really exciting and motivating. And that's, that's really our hope. Not that you would come in and meet with us, uh, but that you'd go and you'd think about your own financial situation, how this applies, what your goals are, and then go talk to a financial advisor. It doesn't need to be us, but talk to a financial advisor and get serious about taking some wise steps in your financial life. Are they both meeting with you together? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Both coming to all the meetings and yep. everything? That's and, it, and it's interesting because he's got the big ambitions, the big goals. He had more of a vision for their finances. She runs the day-to-day finances. Mm-hmm. So she's got the practical, these are the limits, and he's got the dreams that this is where we want to go. And, cool. and so to talk to a mediator, a third party, that can blend those two together, uh, it's just been really encouraging. And you guys know we have a yeah. lot of those relationships. But to, to, to have, and we've got more than just this one I'm citing that have come from the radio show, but that's what makes it all worthwhile, is seeing people really take some, some great steps. Especially since those two personalities could uh, be in conflict with each other if, you know, sometimes left to their own devices or if they don't have a, a safe environment to talk through these issues. And to see it, it should be complimentary, and it sounds like that's really what they're achieving in their financial life, which is just awesome that's to hear. Great. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So... Speaking uh, of maybe a bit of a conflict here, uh, we're going to transition into listener questions. We've got a great one from Joel. And, and the reason I mention conflict is he's questioning the cost of, of his realtor. In uh, fairness, he lives out of the area and he's looking at selling his house and the realtor that he's used has made some changes to the cost structure. So here's his question. You guys had a, this is from Joel. You guys had a question about selling your house, or excuse me, you had a show about selling your house. I'm wondering what a reasonable fee to pay for closing is. Our previous realtor charged 6%. I believe we split this cost with the buyer. However, more recently, we are considering moving and discovered we now he would now charge 6.5%. I was under the impression that 3 to 6% was typical. Is it ever worth paying a realtor more? And is there any way to find out who the more successful realtors are in your area? Is it also possible to find out if there are simple or if there are simply successful because they are underselling homes? What question should I ask? Wow, yeah, a lot to it. There is a lot to it. I actually uh, ended up speaking to Joel just to get a little bit more clarity on uh, his question and help answer it individually for him. But I think ultimately the 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 issue was that he was confused about how realtors get paid, mm-hmm. and he he makes some references to that in his question, but. When he bought his house, uh, you know, he obviously wasn't involved with paying any realtors, although he thought maybe he he was. Um, you know, typically the seller is uh, the one who pays the realtors, and so if you've only bought a house and have never sold one, you just might not know how this works, yeah. right? I mean, it's a kind of an honest misunderstanding, very reasonable to to be confused on this. But his concern was that if his realtor is charging another half percent more than uh, was charged or paid when uh, he, he first bought the house, um, then also the buyer's agent would be paying or, or charging an additional amount and the fees were just going to be racking up. He was kind of uh, assuming that there's really more to the story than just six and a half now instead of 6%. And um, ultimately, you know, I, I think when people ask me, what should you pay a realtor? I always give them a range of five to 7%. Yeah. And uh, you know, certainly six and a half percent obviously falls in that range. Um, nobody likes it when the fee goes up, though. Uh, to go from six to six and a half, you might say, "Well, what are you doing for me?" It, it could just purely be that the market is hot right now, and they're really overrun with uh, a lot of business. 
And so they have to charge more just to maybe even weed out some people who aren't serious about really selling their house, that kind of thing. That's a good point. So, Yeah, Diane Bennett, who uh, is with inspiredhomes.com and one of the sponsors of our show, actually gave us some insight into this, and I'll just kind of share what she had to say. And she said, first of all, the commission percentage for buying a home cannot be set. There's no going rate as it's actually illegal to have one. They call it price fixing, and it's for your protection. They cannot do so. So with that said, and I'll just summarize the rest of what she said, is it's really about supply and demand. So what you alluded to, Josh, if it's a hot real estate market and the market will bear 6.5% or the market will bear 7%, that's what the real estate agents will charge. If it's not, if everything is slow, there may be certain agents who are willing to reduce what they would charge to market and sell your home. Um, but I, I'm, I'm glad that Joel is working with a realtor. We are big believers in professional advice. And my personal experience, having bought and sold four homes in this area, I've it, every transaction has come out better because we worked with a realtor. And so, Joel, if you're looking and saying, well, how do I figure that out? I, feel free to interview them. I've found that the realtors that I've worked with, I've enjoyed it immensely. And I think you would want to work with someone that you could really enjoy. And I, I know Diane and her team, they're amazing folks, and you would enjoy working with them. You know, one of the other things that I often advise people on is to make sure that your realtor is in your corner, that they're not playing both sides of the the transaction. In other words, they're representing you as the seller and they're trying to go find the buyer to bring them to the table. In situations like that, they're really limited in the in the help that they can provide to either of you. And um, they end up keeping the full 6.5% in that case. Yeah. If there are two realtors involved, then they're going to share it. It's going to be split between both parties. Uh, so keep that in mind, Joel. This isn't 6.5% to your person and 6.5% to another realtor if they get involved. It's it's split down the middle. But the point is, is that you want your selling realtor, the selling agent or the listing agent to be fighting for you to make sure that the transaction goes as well as it can for you. Yeah, and just to hop on that idea there, Josh, if you go to buy a house and you don't have a realtor, the selling realtor will represent you, but they really don't represent you. If you read the contract, they don't represent you. They represent the seller. And that is something that you would definitely want to know who is representing who and how does this work? Because it can be confusing. You think, oh, this person is nice. They're talking to me. They're very helpful. They're representing me. But when you read the contract, they really, their duty and their alliance is to the seller. So you can get what's called a buyer's agent if you need that. Well, I would agree with Josh that I usually tell folks that the range is going to be somewhere between five and seven. I think six and a half is still within that range. But Joel, I would also tell you, just ask, just ask the realtor. Hey, I remember your cost was 6%. Now it's gone up to six and a half. Why is that? And just, just see what they say. So, all right, we've got a question coming up about gold as an investment, as well as a great question from Ray about how to handle some credit card debt. We're going to be hitting that and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keen, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike Bernard, and I've got Josh and Kevin in the studio with me. Of course, Casey Hendrickson is here, our wonderful producer. If you missed anything so far, go to wisemoneyradio.com, as well as check out all the blog posts and all the show prep and all that sort of stuff that's going on there. If you're driving right now, have a question or a comment, go to 574, give us a call, 574-222-2000. Submit your question or comment that way. Hey, we're about to hit a question about gold from Jeff. But we just finished answering Joel's question about the cost of realtor, and Casey was chiming in because he's got some experience in the matter. Wanted to add a, a few. Yeah. Well, I mean, Diane Bennett. First of all, she's she's absolutely right, and it's not a set price. You can negotiate this. So if uh, your agent right now is saying I'm at six and a half percent, which again split between the buyer's agent and seller's agent, you can negotiate that if you want. Um, now. What is interesting about this is that uh, when I was in the Las Vegas real estate market, because I was a real estate agent, for those of you who don't know, when I was in the Las Vegas real estate market, the average was about 6 to 7%, just like what we're talking about. That's pretty standard wherever you go. Uh, and I actually had a conversation with my mother-in-law one day, and she was like, oh, I would never pay 6%. And I said, you'd never sell your house. <laughs> and she goes, well, when I was in LA, I sold my house, and it was like 2%. I said, yeah, but your house is over a million dollars. Yeah, right. And if you're, dealing, if you're dealing with a $100,000 home or something like that, guess what? Uh, two, three percent split between two agents isn't going to feed anybody's family. And which agent is going to work better for you? The one that's getting paid, excuse me, one that's getting paid uh, uh, a 6% commission split two ways or the one that's paying a 2%, getting paid a 2% commission being split two ways. And there's a lot of money involved in being a real estate agent. They spend money to sell your house. It is important that you understand that. So you're actually more likely to get that better relationship that the guys are talking about with your agent, have your agent doing more for you if the agent is being paid more. Yeah. The market's going to decide that. Sure. The more expensive the house, the lower you can get the commission sometimes because, again, a smaller commission might still be a very big paycheck. But if you're talking about an $80,000 house or something like that and you want to get a, a 4 or 5% commission on there, that agent's probably not going to have you as one of their priority properties. Yeah. So it sounds like, Joel, you know, you're in the range and still may make sense to just confirm that. But yeah, that's helpful insight, Casey. Great to hear from Casey. We love us from Casey Hendrickson. That's right. And he was the first host as we're celebrating the anniversary, the first host of the Wise Money Show. Yeah. Taught us everything we know. And now I've been fired and relegated to <laughs> silence. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a great question. We've actually already hit this one before, but it, it was a really in a rush setting. And there's been a couple instances that have come up in the past week that I thought, you know, we got to resurrect this question. So Jeff from Wakarusa, he's 44. He asked, I've been hearing sponsors on other shows talking about investments in gold to protect my family from an economic collapse. That's apparently coming. You guys have any advice on this? Or this was good. Or should I take off my tinfoil hat and calm down? You still hear these advertisements about gold all the time. And I just read a, a an article recently about how someone had forecasted that 2016, at the beginning of 2016, it was going to be the worst financial collapse ever, blah, blah, blah. And since that hasn't happened, uh, they interviewed him again, and he was just promoting gold and gold and so on. So, okay, guys, I mean... Gold as an investment is extremely risky. 
most people don't realize just how volatile it is compared to the stock market, depending on how long you're looking. But if you've got a long history, gold, as far as risk and volatility, is riskier than the stock market. So to, thinking that that's going to protect you by investing in something that's extremely risky is a little counterintuitive. So the price is swinging more uh, in a more volatile fashion, but also you know, during the time that you own it, it's not paying you any interest or any dividends or anything like that, like your stock investments would, which help to smooth out some of the, those swings as well. So I, I agree, you know, gold should be a small portion of someone's portfolio if you're going to have it in there at all. But, you know, that's not the angle that he's coming at this from. He's treating this more as I'm going to protect my family from some huge economic collapse. That's right. 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 So I, I'm assuming that he's picturing in his mind owning gold coins in a safe in his basement or something. Um, and I, I, I still question the logic behind that personally. Um, you know, I, I go back to, you remember the Y2K bug and yeah. the awful collapse? I mean, people did some pretty crazy things in preparation for this non-event, right? So getting yourself too worked up about an economic collapse that, you know, someone that you read is predicting or, or whatever. Um, be careful to make sure that the advice you're getting is not self-serving from that person. Do they sell gold for a living? And of, of course, they want to stir up fear. Um, just just be careful, I guess, when, when you're talking about gold. Well, I think about gold as an investment and gold is sold. Gold is yeah. not gold is not bought. And so the advertisers that are paying for airtime on certain radio stations to sell gold, they are selling a product. And I think, okay, do I need gold? And, and some of the things that I think about and, and, and September 11th of 2001, our office is right by a gas station and by a jewelry store. And there's a pawn shop right down the road. And on September 11th of 2001, the, the line was unbelievable at the gas station and no one was at the jewelry store and no one was at the pawn shop. And I think, what is what is the practical thing about owning gold? And if I was going to own gold, I would want to own physical gold, as far as I can tell. So how practical is it for me to own physical gold? And people say, well, you could own it in your IRA. I start to get nervous um, with, with that kind of a setup. But to me, I go back and I, th I think, Jeff, just look at the price of gold. If you simply look at the price of gold, you could have bought gold in 1980 for $850 an ounce. And it took 27 years for gold to be worth $850 an ounce again. So most folks don't have the stomach to ride out a 27-year period where most of that time the investment was worth half of what you paid for it. Yeah. So I look at that and I say, if you want to buy and own gold. I don't think that's the end of the world, but I, I don't know that I would buy it if I said, Hey, I've got a financial plan and it needs to fit in my financial plan. Cause it, it probably doesn't fit very well. And because you can't put gold in your gas tank, uh, you can't put gold in your gun. You can't put, you can't eat gold. <laughs> so all of these things that you would need to do to survive in the, uh, event of an economic collapse or some sort of turmoil in the world, gold is somewhat impractical for. We actually, I'm going to be posting a chart of an inflation adjusted uh, price movement of gold for the past hundred years. Now it is inflation adjusted. So it, it, it 
is offset for that. But very interesting. So go to Wise Money, uh, actually wisemoneyradio.com, go to the blog or check it out on Facebook. You'll see that chart there. So, okay, I want to sneak Ray's question in here as well. So Ray sent us a question on wisemoneyradio.com and he says, if you've got 15,000 in high interest credit cards, no savings and about 60,000 of equity in your primary residence, would you recommend a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan to pay off the high credit card? And, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of financial advisors would probably take the bait. Some other financial radio show hosts would probably take that bait as well. But before I, I would even try to answer your question, I'd say, where did that high interest credit card debt actually come from? And not to make you feel bad, because I would then ask the follow-up question of, what mechanisms have you put in place to make sure it never comes back? Yes. Because before you'd wrap this credit card debt into your mortgage, you would want to make sure that you're never going to get into credit card debt again. Exactly. Because the math might work to say, oh, get rid of that high interest uh, loan or the, the high interest on that credit card, put it on a low interest on your house. But if you're going to do that, and then you haven't fixed the issues that created the credit card debt in the first place. And so three years later, you've got that, those credit cards raked up again. You're financially worse off. That's Much right. worse off. That's right. I, I think what you're hitting on here is the idea that debt is an effect in your financial life. And you need to know very clearly what was the cause of it. You need to be honest about what that is. Debt is a result of something. It's some decisions that you've made or conditions that you've allowed to be in place. So if you've got 15 grand of high interest rate credit card, no savings in place, and it feels like you've got equity in your house, um, something's still not right there in the situation. And to focus on the consequences of the real problem, I think is, is going in the wrong direction. And um, to, to me, I would, just to give you a little truth and love, I would want to make sure that, as Mike said, you have done what it takes to make sure that this credit card debt doesn't come back because you're really in a more vulnerable place today than you were before the 15 grand was wrapped up. Great question though, Ray. Hopefully that helps. If you if you have more questions or follow-up questions, reach out to us. And if you missed anything, guys, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can also check out the Facebook page at Wise Money Radio. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.